Hello, Basement Programmers, and welcome. This is the Basement Programmer Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Moore. The opinions expressed in the Basement Programmer Podcast are those of myself and any guests that I may have, and are not necessarily those of our employers or organizations we may be associated with. Feedback in the Basement Programmer Podcast, including suggestions on things you'd like to hear about, can be emailed to me at tom at basementprogrammer.com. And I'm always on the lookout for people who would like to come on the podcast and talk about anything technology-related. So drop me a line. And now for this episode. Hello, Basement Programmers, and welcome. This is your host, Tom Moore, and today I'm joined by my friend and former colleague, Andrea Sabet, Head of Solutions Architecture for Digital Native Business at AWS. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Great to be here. Uh, and great to see you. We haven't seen each other for some time. So, yeah, I'm glad that you have me on your show. Oh, thrilled to have you here. So, um, obviously, as the intro suggests, you work at Amazon, and Amazon always says it's day one. So, I'm curious, what was your day one like walking into the Boston office? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, now I'm based out of New York, but back when I joined in 2018, I was actually in Boston. Uh, you know, I lived in Boston for many years, uh, day one at Amazon. I do remember, um, you know, walking in and it was, it was such a, it was a small team. I mean, the company has grown exponentially uh, ever since. Small team. I remember I was in, uh, uh, you know, South Boston. No, where, where are they? Seaport. Seaport. Seaport District. Yeah. That's right. And I think it was their first day at the new office at Seaport. Because uh, they just had moved from the Cambridge office. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was fantastic. I walked in. I didn't recognize many people. But, you know, throughout the day, I did actually meet and bump into people I knew from the past. It was pretty fantastic. I would say a little bit sort of intimidating because, you know, super smart talent. Um, yeah, there's some smart people there for sure. But without a doubt, it, it was very welcoming. You know, people were very kind. We went for lunch. Had great conversation. Got to know my team. Um, yeah, it was just day one was was actually one of the days I still remember today, Tom. Even if I, you know, just close my eyes, I could still remember everything I did that day. Yeah, I, I still remember my my day. My day one was actually in New York because at the time we didn't do uh, onboarding in Boston. So yeah. All right. So head of solutions architecture for digital native business. That's quite the mouthful. What does that really mean? Okay. So what does it mean? Um, so digital native business is a business that Amazon focuses on, which involves around customers who um, are digitally native, which means they are, for most parts, they develop the technology using cloud from day one. So these are companies that are, um, you know, pre-IPO for most parts is pre-IPO uh, and they have one or two products that are, that have had success in the market and mm -hmm. that are global. And for most parts, they use cloud technology. And uh, I lead a team of architects, solution architects, who focuses on helping uh, these customers identify technology needs that addresses their their specific uh, business. Mm -hmm. And that business spans across different domains. So we work with uh, customers that 
you know, are, for example, in financial services like fintechs, ad techs, smart tech, um, you know, technology data companies, you name it, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's in a nutshell. And uh, my team, you know, they operate across the East Coast of the United States. So mm-hmm. everything from, say, Maine down to Miami. And, uh, you know, we have a great number of customers throughout. So, yeah, that's what I do. I'm personally myself based out of New York City. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we have, you know, folks all around, all around the, the East Coast. Cool. So, so just just a small territory then, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so you say you're talking about you know cloud services. How does that differentiate between you know the the typical spinning up virtual machines and things like that? Well, what does the what's the differentiator there? Oh, between cloud services. So it's almost the think of you know the utility, right? Like you turn on the mm-hmm. light switch um, and you get your power, right? So in the back end, obviously, there's a whole facility, there's someone, you know, the energy company is providing you with that electricity. So in the cloud service, similar to that, um, you know, any company can take advantage of different types of technology components mm-hmm. without necessarily having to be the provider or creator of that technology themselves. So as, a, as Amazon being one of those main, you know, AWS um, Amazon Web Services being a cloud provider, what we do is we deliver, you know, database. If you want to store uh, information, we deliver storage, we deliver network capacity, we deliver, um, you know, advanced things like artificial intelligence. Uh, We deliver it as a service. So essentially a customer can say, look, I just need to store my data. And then, you know, almost like your um, you know, you you have your Gmail or you have your, right, like anything sort of that you use on the web, similar to that, a company can take advantage of storing the data in, you know, you'd see it almost like a web interface, right? But realistically, that's sitting on servers and, you know, storage media that are hosted by Amazon Web Services. So that's what we focus as our main kind of tech, uh, as our main business. That's sure. That's what it means. So it's, Different than virtual machines because virtual machines could be one component of the bigger technology landscape, right? A virtual machine you can consume as well as, you know, a technology product mm-hmm. that is delivered as part of your cloud overall cloud, uh, you know, cloud consumption. I hope that gives you context. Yeah. So, so do your customers focus more on some of the higher level services or do you still run the whole gambit? It's, it varies, right? It varies from customer to customer. Some of them are, and it also varies depending on, you know, their, um, their staffing. Some customers, right, they have, um, say, for example, you might have a company who is in a technology space, right? Like say a data company, and they might have capacity to, or staff that are highly technical and they design products and their job, the main business is essentially building technology that, you know, delivers some sort of a data service to an end client. Mm -hmm. So they might be staffed with data scientists. They might be staffed with data engineers. And for them, you know, it's that's bread and butter. That's their core competency. 
So when you have a team like that, typically they're much more creative in, you know, using some of these foundational, very low level, you know, um, programming languages or components to build and design things that would set them apart in the landscape. So that's one category that uses kind of more the core components of infrastructure and technology. And then you have customers that might be in the, say, you know, my core competency is insurance and I am a retailer and I run an e-commerce website. You know, I might not necessarily be heavy on, you know, hiring a bunch of IT folks. I might index more on marketing and sales and, you know, a little bit on, on the more the core domain that I'm in. So for those, it's it's much easier for them to say, look, let me outsource or let me kind of use and consume a technology that's already been built and designed. And maybe there's some level of customization, but that's minimal. That's not my core competency. And they tend to be more on the higher level services. But there's nothing that kind of prevents each from consuming. You know, again, like we do see the spe- full spectrum of each and consumption you know, both lower and higher level services across both, but that's typically how that aligns. Sure. Now, uh, I, ha- I actually had a question thrown at me from a, a prospective listener. Um, okay. What is the biggest production outage you've ever experienced in your career, and how does that affect how you work today? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um let me see, production outage that, okay, so we, I did, you know, look, as with anything, things break, right? And things sometimes oh, yeah. you, know, you have outages <laughs> and whatnot. Um, I think it was it was a while ago. I can't, you know, give specifics given no, 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 the, of course, the yeah. sensitivity of the matter, but I do remember, you know, we did have an incident where, you know, a handful of customers were impacted by, I think it was just, uh, it was an outage, right? Like it was an outage. It was a number of services that was down. And I think, um, you know, with with that, um, you know, a handful of customers were really impacted by some of the core capabilities that we're using in cloud. And I think one thing that kind of was, was, was very, I guess, obvious for us at that point was, you know, as what's our role, we really kind of re, not rethink our role as architects, solution architects, but it really helped us kind of understand like, look, maybe the, the, we are trusted advisors to customers, right? To, to kind of maybe describe the role a little bit yeah. more. So as such as advisors, you're there to provide guidance on, you know, how to use this technology and then assemble this technology to be able to achieve outcomes, right? And this technology is, is complex, right? We, you need to be highly skilled. You need to have certifications and be technically savvy. And uh, our solution architects are also there to guide the customers through what if things doesn't work? What if you need to have a you know disaster recovery? Uh, what, what's your disaster recovery plan? What if you know you need to make sure that you right size your cloud environment to be cost efficient? Right? How do you achieve the best performance? given, you know, the constraints that you might have or given the components that you're leveraging. I think it just really forced us to think um, during that outage, I do remember going back and sort of in retrospect, obviously uh, revisiting some of these customers and thinking about like, 
hey, should we go back to the foundation really looking and assessing, right? We have it called the well-architected framework and really going through and saying like, are you really, you know, do you ha- really have a disaster recovery plan? Do you have a resilience plan? What if things doesn't, doesn't work? Um, and I think, you know, for some of these customers, right, like they are running really fast and they have to take advantage of the, you know, whatever bleeding edge technology there is because that differentiates and that sets them apart in the landscape. And sometimes it's important as you do so is, you know, over time it could get complicated because you need to also bring stability to play. And uh, in this context, right, uh, we have some customers that are, again, like just to be in the market forefront, they're market makers. They were just running like 200 miles an hour. It's just really good to have you know, like an I would say almost like you need to have a practice within the organization to really think through these as you're continuously evolve and innovate. And for us, it was really about, you know, taking a step back and say, look, it's not just about, you know, running fast, but it's also rethinking and thinking about like, are you running operationally efficient? Like what if things doesn't work, right? Yeah. That That's as much I can say about this specific event, Tom. But but I hope that gives you some. Yeah, all, all good. Yeah, as they say, hindsight is always twenty twenty. You know, you you look back and say, oh yeah. <laughs> so, right. So, you are amazingly well traveled. Um, you know, I when I first met you, I remember hearing Sweden. You had spent some time yes. in Sweden, and, and I thought you were born there, but. Apparently not. You've had this. You've traveled all around the world. Um, what's you know, what's your story there? Okay, so all right, what's my story? So yeah, so I I grew up in Sweden. Um, you know, I was after. So I I live in. I used to live in a small. Let's say small. It's it's a city called Uppsala. Um, it's known and recognized for his university. So I studied there and I was in my twenties and I said, look, I mean, I, there's so much to see. I just want to go out there and do something different. I just didn't want to stay in this small town. So I said, why don't I just go and do something, you know, outside this, not just my city, but let's go and live out uh, overseas. So I, the first thing I did was I found, I went to UK and I had my mom's cousin, Used to live, he lives in the UK in London. Mm-hmm. So I stayed with him and I was like, like, let me figure out what I want to do. So then I start like both looking for jobs, but also seeing like maybe I should pursue a higher education. So that's kind of what I ended up doing. I went to uh, and, and pursued a PhD in physics, crazy as I am, wow. right? <laughs> so yeah, that's what I ended up doing in London. And then from there, you know, once I finished and I said, well, you know, let me go and look for a job. And and funny enough, during that time, um, you know, I think my mom sent me an article and said, look, uh, IBM is looking for people, but they're based out of Ireland. I was like, yeah. Ireland, where is that? And just bear <laughs> in mind, like I've never been to Ireland before, but, you know, I, I just say, okay, let's. Let's go and work for IBM. Let's go to Ireland. And uh, yeah, so I just submitted uh, an application to the same department. It's a global services, IBM Global Services in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, it was like early 2000. And uh, yeah, they uh, they called me, they contacted me. And, you know, on my, during my interview, they said, like, when can you come? <laughs> so I said, well, when do you want me there? Well, can you come next week? I said, sure. So I took, a, you know, with my backpack, 
on a plane to Dublin. I ended up staying there for seven years. That was some wow. of the best times of my life. You know, I met some of my lifetime, you know, lifelong friends in, yeah. in Dublin. I still, you know, meet them often. They come and visit and I go there and visit them. So, yeah, I'm kind of well-traveled. And then from there in Dublin, uh, you know, I was at Oracle at the time. And I just happened to say, look, you know, this... So European customers are very interesting. Uh, and I used to work in solution architect capacity. Mm -hmm. We call them solution engineers at Oracle. And what was interesting is European companies tend to be much smaller and decision-making things tends to take longer. So, you know, because there's so much that goes in it, um, and they're very much down to the weeds, right? Like what's the components? What's the battery lifespan? They're not sort of as fast movers as, as North America, you know, companies yeah. in North America. But I said like, look, I just want to get international exposure. I've kind of worked with these more smaller, you know, obviously um, companies, very tech savvy. They're very uh, thoughtful, very well-organized. And I said like, I just want international exposure. And I happened to see on my LinkedIn this request of like, they're looking for same role that I had, but they were looking for solution engineers in Boston. And it's like, so I, I reached out to this gentleman. Um, it was at the same company. And he's like, yep, yeah, I'm looking for someone to come and join. And so that's kind of brought me to Boston. Uh, so yeah. I kind of always been, you know, traveling and just pursuing and, and it's pushing myself to just go a little bit outside my comfort zone. And the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like if I don't learn, I've, or if I'm put in a position, so here's how I describe it. If I'm in a position where I feel too comfortable, mm -hmm. I feel like I can't be the best version of myself. Right. So over time, it feels like, you know, if I do something that I feel very confident about, I think I, and I don't prepare for it, it just feels almost like I'm I'm not pushing myself hard enough to think differently. And that doesn't help me always stay on top of my game. So that's kind of the reason, right? Like always want to see how I can expand. And it's not just, right, it's not for the sake of travel, but that happened to be that my career has taken me all over the world. <laughs> right, yes. Um, let's see. Now. Uh, fairly early on at Amazon, you kind of became a bit of the face of this is my architecture, mm. which I, I love watching your episodes, by the way. Um, how, how did that happen? What's that like? <laughs> yeah, this is my architecture. Yeah. For those who may not know what this is my architecture is, is, um, is a video uh, clip, right? It's a video series. It's like a five to seven minute video uh, clip where we go and dive deep into a technical architecture. So a customer partner describes how they're using Amazon mm -hmm. to you know, deliver some business outputs. And I, and I happened to watch the episode myself, Tom, like you did. And I was like, I want to be on that show, I said, right? How do I get there? So I happened to, and at that time, I was lucky enough, they were having a, a you know, they did recordings in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I was in Boston. So I traveled down and I, and I organized a meeting with them to say like, look, I have a customer that I want to showcase. And um, so I took my customer there. And before then, like, trust me, we had rehearsed so many times. And so you're not supposed <laughs> to rehearse for these. You're supposed to be like very ad hoc, very non-scripted. And we just, we just did such a good job that they, 
and and I said like, look, how do I, I want to continue working with you yeah. guys. And they just liked the episode and said like, would you like to join us for the next one? And that's kind of trickle, right? Over yeah. time, it's just that that show is the most watched show. I think they have like about a million viewers um, a year watching different episodes that are published wow. weekly. Yeah, so I became sort of one of the a few handful of hosts they have on the show, and we kind of interview customers twice a year or so. So yeah, this is a really great opportunity to meet people and learn from customers. Really, mm -hmm. is amazing. So watch the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Check check out This Is Your Architecture, or This Is My Architecture. This Is My Architecture. Yes. Now, the other thing that I often see you get involved with, especially on social media, is the yeah. She Builds program. Yes. What's that about? So She Builds, um, okay, so through the media team that I work with for This mm -hmm. is My Architecture, I happen to be connected to a group of um solution architects out of Australia. And there are two women out in Australia. Yay for Australia. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I know, Tom, you're, you're from Australia. Um, well, so not really from. I spent 16 years there. I was actually yes, born yes. in Connecticut. So oh, There you go. There you go. Good. New facts about Tom. Um, so I happened to speak to these two ladies and who who were doing something very cool under the brand name of SheBuilds. And SheBuilds mm -hmm. is essentially building an inclusive community where, you know, women technologists can come together and learn from each other. And SheBuilds mm -hmm. has many different areas they focus on, uh, like technical skills, or you want to get your certification, you can do that. You want to um, get a mentor, you can, uh, or mentee-mentor uh, mentee relationship mm -hmm. type stuff. They do that. So SheBuilds existed and originated from Australia. And then I thought, but it was very internal facing. So they usually had solution architects or other women within the company mm -hmm. join and then showcase and do it like an hour long demo. So when I spoke with them, uh, I said, look, you know, you don't have a presence in North America. Why don't I take that program and just help you scale it? Um, but mm -hmm. contingent that, you know, I kind of almost have you know i i customized it a little bit and they were, sure. yeah, by all means go for it so then when i took it on i said like what i want to make she built north america about i want to make it about our customers and mainly what i wanted to highlight was how does our customers of which you know many are women are how they are making an impact in the field of technology so our women customers who are in the field of technology and business and the impact they're making in this field. That's what I wanted to make this all about. So I created this video series and I took a lot of inspiration from this architecture um, to not just highlight the technical um, need from a customer and how they use technology to, uh, to advance it, but holistic, a 360 view of their landscape. So what we talked about in our video series, um, which was a little bit longer than four minutes, they're like 20 minutes or so. So we look at it from like both business side. What are some, you know, what was the motivation? What was some decision criteria? Why even pursue this? What does it mean to your business? And then we dive deep underneath and see, you know, what's the technology behind it? But more importantly, you know, where this um, focus on women comes in is, with the interviewers, what we asked them is, well, how did your background prepare you for the role that you're in now? 
and working in a male-dominant field, how do you earn trust of your team who are mainly men? Or, you know, what's the barrier and blocker that you have encountered along this journey that you would like to share on how you overcame? So it's more about woman empowerment, right? And really empowering those who are viewing. It could be male allies. Obviously, we have a lot of them as well, as and those who identify as women, to learn from from you know, from people out in the field and seek inspiration. And then the Shebels have kind of taken on now uh, and grown way beyond just being a video series. So mm-hmm. right now we are actually, we instantiated a focus on, and we have about 200, 200 mentees. And these are people outside Amazon who are looking wow. to get connected with the mentor uh, within Amazon. So we want to facilitate that mentorship and we use our video series catalog as learning catalog, right? For these mentees. So they can almost like you pick and choose whichever makes most sense to you. You learn it, but at the same time you have a mentor who helps you along a 14, 14 week, um, say, you know, engagement cycle. So, so that's what we do. Yeah. If you want to be part of it, she builds NA at Amazon.com. She builds NA at Amazon.com. I'll have to I'll have to put that in the yes. in the notes. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. So with all of these things that you're doing, and one thing that's particularly close to my heart that you've mm-hmm. gotten involved with uh, a bunch of times is something called Hour of Code. And uh, like I said, you've been involved uh, a whole bunch of times. So what's What's that like for you to, to get involved in, in with the kids? Oh, you know, I, I by the way, you're the you know, it's a credit to you, Tom. Like, if it wasn't for you, I would not even know what our code is. Um, every year, I think, with the exception of COVID, I think it was yeah. 2020, or you know, every year I, I, I've been tagging along under your leadership and i love it i love it i mean 2020 sucked <laughs> it is right it, and it was hard uh that year i remember i i just you know it was some some challenges like family wise that made me not be able to participate but uh you know my motivation for for doing that i mean look a lot of the times when we look at our um our company now, right? Like we just kind of take more of a reactive approach. It's like whatever is in the market, like even look at our, I'll, I'll say this, right? Like I look around in the field of technology and my, even our teams, and it is like, you know, 10, 15%, 20% woman representation and mostly men. And um, so where do you, where do you make, you know, where do you make changes? And I think it's early, right? Like you need to make those changes early on, uh, meaning like you need to really go out there and educate and help maybe young girls, right? Even earlier to go and pursue uh, education in the field of STEM. So I think like the impact you can do, and this is obviously our code is for everyone is all these high school, yeah. you know, it's, um, elementary school kids they're still kind of figuring out what they want to do later on in their lives, right? So I think in, in helping them really see the potentials of technology and, and really kind of find passion for Phyllis them, I think is really, um, it's, it's really rewarding. Personally for myself, I really enjoy that. I do think um, you can get, we gamify it and we make it really fun for them to learn, right? Through 
you know, cool games and things that we do on their phones and whatnot. But uh, just just going out there and, you know, opening up the eyes of these young kids to show like, hey, look, did you know that you could do all this cool stuff? Or did you know technology does all this cool stuff? And they had no idea. And all of a sudden it just kind of clicks and you never know, right? Like an event like that could eventually lead some of these young, um, very smart kids to pursue, you know, education in the field of STEM. And, and I think just being able to impact early on is really rewarding. I just love doing it. And I think this opportunity to do it both hour of code, but there's also girls who code, which I've also participated in, which is really cool as well. It was just, you know, again, like young um, you know, elementary school girls who are looking to learn how to code and develop and really, you know, going out and speaking to them and giving them some advice and coaching. I, I really enjoy that. And and you being Tom, you've been spearheading those efforts and I've always loved to participate. Oh, I, I absolutely love having you. And and one of the great things is that um, you know, I, I reach out and an NGO goes and then finds like 20 other people to, to come along. And so it's a, it's a great scale factor because you, you're just, you're awesome in that, uh, in that mm-hmm. recruitment drive. So, um, so if you were to give up technology tomorrow, what would you do for, for a living? Oh gosh. You know, I, <laughs> so my, my second hobby is real estate, just to let you oh. know. I would, yeah, I would probably go into do full-time real estate. Um, yeah, real estate, you know, say anything in the, in the sense of investing, um, development, um, selling, you name it, right? I think it, the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like it allows me, it's a very fast-paced, like moving mm-hmm. kind of landscape. It allows me to learn. I really like the dynamics. I really like kind of, you know, every area, um, every city, every geography, right? It has these nuances and like going diving deep and understanding those nuances. It's just like very fascinating thing. It's almost like, um, yeah, it's like technology, right? So today is this flavor, tomorrow is another. Yeah. Like you have to stay on your game, right? Like you have to know what's going on, the dynamics, uh, what's, you know, what's coming, what's not coming. That's that's my passion. I really like it. I do it aside, you know, obviously from my day work, but that's yeah. what I would do full time. Just go and like sort of figure out like a play in that field. Buying and selling houses and things of that nature. Yeah. Investing, find helping people find their dream home. So I mean, for some reason, I find it very uh satisfying. I think just the learning the market, I think that in itself, just it's such a vastly different space than technology in itself but like you understand the nuances and uh you know development projects and sort of how they think and um you know what's and it could be things like you know certain technology field like say tech or healthcare or biotech yeah. it drives a set of um people to cities and that whole you know, just you see people kind of relocate throughout the country because concentration of different domains or tech businesses is so interesting and how, you know, real estate responds to that and how this chat landscape changes. That whole, it's, it's constant learning. And I, and I love that, that hmm. part of it. 
Hey, well, I mean, we both moved countries for different jobs, so, you know. (laughs) So you've had quite the ride at Amazon. You started off as a solutions architect over the... uh, over the wall for me, as I remember, in the in the Boston office, yes. um, to now you're what, a leader of leaders. Mm-hmm. So you're a, a sort of a manager for managers. What what was that ride like? Oh, what, what was that ride like? Look, <laughs> I mean, all I did during that time was like just just focus, like focus on my passion. Right, like my passion was always was. You know, how do I, it was almost, uh, I, I'll say this, at the very start when I when I started, uh, I worked with a biotech company out of Boston. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just wanted to learn as much as I could about biotech. So I went and sort of just socialized. I, we, whenever I got the chance, I, you know, anyone I knew that was in that field, whether it was technology or not, I just kind of learned that space so well and just navigating myself. And then eventually, you know, my relationship with the customer improved as well over time to the point where they actually gave me a badge. So I was, I could go into their offices at mm-hmm. my, you know, at my convenience and they had, they were very close to where I lived too in Cambridge. So I used to pop into the office and then eventually I ended up being in their org chart. So I had a dotted line, like a leader. <laughs> and then, so I spent most of my time with my customer than being with Amazon, just to let you know. And, you know, they had their Christmas parties or, you know, they had their, uh, if people were leaving, leaving parties, I was always like on the invitation list. So, you know, they almost saw me as an extension to their team. And I love that stuff. And that whole kind of partnership with the customer really almost you know, seeing myself as an extension of them, strengthen that bond, but it also helped me um, be impactful. Like I was very intentional with where I focused because I knew exactly their needs. It wasn't more about, I'm a technology provider, you know, come to me with your questions and I can, you know, tell you what to do. It was more of where I saw inefficiencies. It just helped me go out and sort of say, hey, look, customer, maybe here's a couple of things you should think about, or here's maybe some ideas that you can maybe take on. And they appreciate that, right? Like that partnership strengthened over time. And that helped me also like learn a lot that I could bring back to my group, my, my team uh, back at Amazon and say, look, this is cool stuff that we are doing. And then have an opportunity to share broadcast, whether I did it through videos or publications and things. So that whole thing, right? Like it's, it just, it gives you a brand, right? Like it helps you create a brand. Mm. And as you do so, right? Like it just, it, it opens up doors as well and opportunities because you extend your network and you start socializing and working with teams. And that's kind of in itself is a door opener for career development, right? Um, and as, as this happened, a lot of people came to me naturally and asked me questions like, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing that? So coaching and mentorship became is something that I naturally did in my day-to-day job. And that led me to say, hey, look, maybe this is a passion that I want to pursue, right? Like it was a passion of mine, don't get me wrong, but I love doing it. So that led me to pursue um, a career in, in the field of leadership, right, at Amazon. And that kind of has worked itself up now, right? So now I'm leading a, a larger group. But it's like it's the core and foundation to that is like it was really um, you know doing what's right for the customer, 
using that opportunity and be intentional with where you focus. It wasn't just, you know, I am here. This is my task list of one, two, three, you know, that's all I do. Just have a core mission. What, what's your purpose? What's your vision? What's your, and focus on that. And if you're, if you focus on the things that, you know, that you feel that you can make an impact on and, you know, and, and that use it as a, as a navigator. And then everything is as a byproduct. So I see career development and things, a byproduct of the good work you do. It shouldn't be a destination. Yeah. It should be more of a, you know, here is a set of things that would happen. You know, you get your promotions, you get career opportunities, da, da, da. But it's not because that's the end goal. That'd be my advice. And that's kind of how my, you know, journey has been so far at Amazon. I do remember speaking with uh, another essay in Boston who, and I won't mention names, but was having a, a bit of a difficult time and, and said that you were the person that uh, took him under your wing and really made him successful in that. So that was, uh, was, was nice. you know, definitely a good point for you. Okay. That's, that's good to hear, Tom. That's, yes. uh, you know, that's, yeah, no, I, I, and I learned a lot from others too, right? I mean, that's, it's mutual relationship. Often in these, you say, you know, took someone under your wing. It's almost like, you know, I learn as much as they learn from me. Um, but that's, that's, that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I think that's all the questions I have for you. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, are you doing anything like uh, speaking engagements or anything like that in the coming up year? Are you going to be at reInvent? Uh, yeah. So we have um, just kind of a heads up on a couple of things that are coming. Maybe people are based on, you know, where you're located. So there's a cloud at uh, or woman at Cloud Summit in New York City on July 25th at the Javis Center. And awesome. I will be there. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're trying to get she a booth for she builds and uh, go out and essentially what our presence there is, it's to interview broadcast from the event, but interview customers, you know, just hear a little bit more about, um, about them and, you know, their participation at the, at the summit. So I will be there. We also have a New York Summit, AWS New York Summit, mm-hmm. um, on the 26th, July 26th. That's also the same venue. I will be there as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of key announcements and events and, and whatnot. So if you're there, uh, you know, I don't want to say I have a booth there, but actually it's called the Digital Native Business Booth. So if you're around, right. come by that booth on the 26th, July 26th. It's the full day uh, and then reinvent yet to be planned, Tom. I still waiting to see, but, you know, hoping to, to be there as well this year. I wish I could make it to New York for the for the summit. Uh, unfortunately, I can't due to other uh, pre-planned engagements that have been around a long time, okay. but it would be absolutely yeah. fabulous to see. So if you're a woman in technology, go to the, or a woman in cloud technology, go to the um the woman at Cloud Summit. Yeah, the yeah. woman at Cloud Summit. Any sponsored? Yeah, woman at Cloud Summit, twenty fifth. And if you're just interested in technology, go to the AWS uh, Summit as well and yeah. say hi. Exactly. All righty. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. 
to, to speak with you as always. Um, and I look forward to seeing you this November uh, up this way for Hour of Code again. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Tom, for having me on your show. And uh, yeah, just uh, I hope let's stay connected. Love to do Hour of Code with you later this sure. year. And if you have any anything else you want to talk about on the podcast, always uh, hit me up. Thank you. I'll definitely will. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Basement Programmer Podcast. I really appreciate you tuning in. And if you have any feedback or comments, of course, send me an email. Also, please consider subscribing. It lets me know that you're enjoying this production. I'm looking forward to you joining me for the next episode of the Basement Programmer Podcast. In the meantime, take care, stay safe, and keep learning.